on Deck Circle on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Michael Levitt here with Adam Rosen, and we will discuss the biggest topics in baseball. Adam, how are you doing today? What are your thoughts about this week in baseball? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. And what a week it was for baseball. The Chicago White Sox finally clinched the playoffs for the first time in 12 years. And the Yankees hit home runs like their life depended on it, which kind of, quite frankly, kind of did. And the postseason bubble was finalized. Oh, and Alec Mills threw a no-hitter. So what a, and on a, what a, honestly a special day for Chicago sports in general, which makes me very happy. Yeah, Alec Mills' no-hitter was definitely historic. It came almost 12 years to the day after the only other no-hitter that took place at Miller Park. Also by a Cub, with that one being thrown by Carlos Big Z Zambrano against the Astros. The Cubs' last two no-hitters prior to Mills were both hurled by Jake Arrieta, and current Cubs manager David Ross caught Arietta's second Cubs no-no. Mills did this in his 15th career start, which is impressive in its own right. But what makes this, this even more impressive is that Mills was averaging just over 90 miles per hour on his fastball on this season, going into this start, which is low for a pitcher anyway these days. But he averaged less than that in this start. And because of that, he did not register many missed swings, racking up only five on 114 pitches. However, Mills recorded 26 called strikes, which sort of makes up for the deficit of swinging strikes, even if they are not as quote-unquote sexy to watch. This start also marks the first time in baseball history that both Chicago teams have had a no-hitter in the same season. Adam, I know you are extremely happy that Mills was able to achieve this incredible feat. Why don't you delve deeper into that? So for me, I mean, I'm about to go on a soapbox here, guys. Get ready. Bear with me. So I think we all like to see stories like Alec Mills. Obviously, for me, I love Bryce Harper, and we love those. Those are cool stories like Bryce Harper. Um, <clears throat> high school phenom, absolutely just demolishing every baseball he saw. But with Alec Mills, that's not him. Obviously, he's a pitcher, so of course not. But Alec Mills was one that we all should learn from and about, talk about. Alec Mills, like, he's your... I guess he's not your uh, prototypical. He's he's more your typical like person, like that you like your everyday average person when you think about how he got there. Obviously, he's a major leaguer, so he's not like all. He's not. He's obviously a little different than all of us. But Alec Mills was a college walk-on at the University of Tennessee Martin. So he was practicing. He was walking by the practice fields, and then apparently went into like went into the coach's office and said, "Hey, I want to try out." I think I can do well here. He did. He made the team. Did pretty well there. Uh, in fact, in college, his he he was. I mean, in college, he's actually top ten on uh, UT Martin's career uh, in the top ten career list for appearances. He struck out 165 in his career there. He he was just fin- pretty good. He was actually pretty good there, but obviously he wasn't spectacular enough to get a high for pick he was 22nd round from the kansas city royals in the 2012 major league baseball draft he came up didn't really do much with the royals after he, he really only came, was he came up to for several years in the minors really didn't get much done there and then instantly he was he was dfa'd right before spring training in 2017 where the cub and then the cubs got him off of trades for cubs got him off of a trade for donnie dewey's and then the Cubs had been using him kind of as a bullpen, but also as a starter. But this was his 15th career start. 
and he did and he's again he's not a fireballer he doesn't wow you this stuff but he's got good command he's got good discipline and then i think again and what he did was historic we can all learn from that his story teaches you to keep going to and in a tough year like this, I think it's important to hear some hot, cool, uplifting, positive stories. And he's such a likable guy. There was a video of him talking to a couple of children, uh, people, uh, children in the hospitals all around Chicago afterwards on via Zoom. And he was talking to them. It was a really cool moment to see that. And I, I think that's awesome. He's trying to just go for it. Accomplish your dreams. Don't give up, even if it's the, the odds are so, so slim. But clearly he made it with those slim odds and he's such an, an underdog and i think we all root for underdogs and even especially as a cubs fan i loved watching that moment but i also loved it as just a human being because it's one he'll never forget and we should never forget i think that's something we can all look to because obviously no hitters and perfect no hitters are ridiculous no matter what you do no matter how you look at it and i just think that's something we should all learn from yeah that's true i mean he has had a remarkable journey up to this point and hopefully it continues to get even better for him. So on that same day that Mills threw a no-hitter, there was another historic accomplishment, albeit one that deals more with the career than a single game or season. Albert Pujols hit his 660th home run off reliever Carlos Estevez to tie Willie Mays for the fifth most home runs all time. Not only is this an incredible achievement for a player like Pujols, but it puts him one step closer to moving up on the home run list. And with that, in history, he already is a lock for the Baseball Hall of Fame, having over 3,000 hits, being fifth all-time in doubles, and second all-time in runs batted in throughout his illustrious career. Plus, Pujols is the only player in baseball history with 650 homers and 650 doubles. But passing Mays is another accomplishment that Pujols can now check off his list. Next up on Pujols' to-beat list for home runs is none other than Alex Rodriguez with 696, with only Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth ahead of A-Rod. Adam, what do you think Pujols' chances are of reaching Rodriguez's mark before his Angels contract expires at the end of next season? Uh, it's quite doubtful. He, I mean, yeah, he only needs 37 to pass him, but he hasn't hit over 30 homer i don't even think he's had over 25 since 2016 he didn't hit 31 i believe he he's he's like 40 he's not going to get much playing time next year he's not and even this year he's not putting much on the ball his expected slugging is 403 and if you're hitting if your expected slugging is 403 you're definitely not getting any you're not getting anything with that one i i honestly doubt it it's 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 he's got no shot i mean it's not even close to 37 home runs next year. He would have to play another feet. Honestly, I think he'd have to play at least another two years. And the idea of him getting even se- even 700 is not good. I, I honestly think he retires after next season. I mean, this year he is thirty in the 34th percentile in hard hit percentage. Um, 22nd percent, 22 percentile for expected weighted on base average. He strikes. He's not striking out much because he's obviously got discipline. Now that, that's something you don't lose with age but he's again his barrel he's not putting much on it he's got four barrels all season that's as many homers as he has this season it, it's not something i would see him likely getting anything close to 37 if he even play 
it, I honestly see him getting 20 at most, maybe 15, 20 at most, unless, like you said, Nelson Cruz, but or Nelson unless he's like a Nelson Cruz guy, but that's not likely. I don't, I because with Pujols, he sometimes I don't know if he still plays first a lot, but unfortunate. It's really unfortunate for that an all-time great like him has fallen off such a big cliff this year during his Angels tenure, and yeah, it's just no shot, but. For, no doubt, you're right. He's a Hall of Famer. He he should honestly be first. He's going to be first ballot. I don't like the whole whining about unanimous, but if they had to put him in unanimous, if there was a player I could think of right now that's unanimous, it's him for sure. Besides would, maybe Trout, obviously, yeah. but I would say maybe Ichiro too. Well, yeah, but I mean, that I, would be among the other one. yeah, among active players, obviously. Yeah, Ichiro might be the best hitter of all time, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think if Pujols had a full season this year instead of a shortened one, I think it would be possible that he would reach A-Rod since he would presumably have tied Mays earlier in the season, and he normally hits around 20 home runs a season now. But because it's a shortened season and he didn't tie Mays until September, it's going to be hard for him to do. It's not out of the question if he has a late career renaissance, like Cruz, like you said, but otherwise, it's not too likely, which brings up the question of whether he retires after next season or looks to continue playing, possibly with another team. We do have, a t- have to take a quick—sorry, go ahead, Adam. Before we take that break, I also just want to go back to pools quickly. Honestly, with that, I think if he does play another year, honestly, you know what I could see? I'm going to make a call here. I think if he does play after Jan next year, it's a one-year contract, basically vet minimum— if the expect assuming the DH stays in the NL, I think he would sign a one-year, two final dual tour with the Cardinals. Call me crazy. I mean, the Cardinals don't need him. I mean, nobody really needs him because he's not that good of a hitter anymore. But better. I mean, I think that's something they would do because of he's one of their he's the one of the greatest players in that fran- the franchise's history. Probably the best hitter of the set. Probably the best player of this past of the two thousands. And 2000. Oh, like if you look for the past 20 years, he's probably the best player overall, even if he's struggled a lot lately. But honestly, I think that's something they would do. I'm not a whole fan of the bringing the band back together, but I think if they can, I honestly think that might be something they would do, depending on if he retires. But you know what? I'm going to make that call that they're going to sign into a tiny deal for one year after next season and have him come back as a DH because I do not uh, see the DH. Um, being a one-year thing, I think it's permanent. Yeah, I I, th- I I would agree with that. I think it, I think it definitely is. The DH is going to be something that stays after this year. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. Um, but when when we return, we will discuss uh, Major League Baseball's plan to use a bubble for the playoffs. You're listening to On Deck Circle on KCOU 88.1 FM. We'll be right back. Can I get a hot take for a KCOU bumper? KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, Missouri. Make sure to start your week off right by listening to General Emission on KCOU 88.1 FM from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Monday morning. I think he's wrong, though. You're, it's a you're heartless agreeing move. and disagreeing There's, on the same topic. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing that it wasn't a smart move. I'm just not disagreeing with Anthony Davis's dad either. Once again, that's General Admission from 8 to 9 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM for the latest updates from the MLB, NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. 
This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable. But how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The city in chaos. Businesses and organizations continue to plague. They have people with lame t-shirts. Now here's weather. Hey, newsman. My forecast. Head down to Dig It Graphics. Oh, where's Fred? Name's T. Shirt. Shirt. Cool custom shirts. Whether screen printed or embroidery, you'll have a 100% chance of looking good, baby. Can they print something that says, I love mom? Sure can, mama's boy. Don't just wear it. Dig it. Digitgraphics.com. Shirts. Culture. KCOU. Society. KCOU. You. Me. Togetherness. Equality. Eternity. KCOU. Deep Space, Travel and Leisure, KCOU, Magazine Subscription, ends eventually, just as all of us KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, Missouri. Welcome back to On Deck Circle here on KCAU 88.1 FM. I'm Adam Rosen, six feet apart from Michael Levitt, and we're back for more baseball talk, as always. By the way, quick side note, happy Hashanah uh, Tova and happy, happy Rosh Hashanah to all who are celebrating the Jewish New Year this weekend. Just wanted to wish everyone that. I personally am celebrating and just... Hope everyone has a safe weekend with that. And, yeah, but back to baseball. The postseason bubble, to me, and back to what we're, about to, we're going to talk about now. The ba- postseason bubble is a great idea, finally. I don't know why it took them this long to even think about putting it in. It should have been immediate. It should have been right in the agreement to restart the season. <clears throat> but now they've made a mistake, to me, in the locations. Because air quality in California is not good right now. I mean, I'm praying for everyone who's involved, who's affected by those wildfires on the whole, honestly, the West Coast in general. It's so, it's, it's scary. I couldn't imagine that. But also, they're hosting in two different states with enormous differences in COVID 19 cases. And that's a big risk. California's got maybe about a couple thousand a day, three, two, three thousand, which isn't great. Texas is, I think, getting six thousand a day. And we know. There's other implications of uh, what, why those are happening, but I still don't. With the NBA bubble, it's different because they're all. It's one central location. They're all in. There's no one near. And then with the NHL hub cities, that's in Canada, and they've done a way better job than we have. And I think that's why. But now, baseball, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work, especially because they play outdoors. Two of those stadiums are outdoors. One, one in San Diego, the Petco Park and Dodger Stadium are the host for the AL. Um, 
the Globe Life feet, the new park for the Rangers, which is also looks like a warehouse or a barbecue grill, <laughs> and then uh, Minute Maid Park for the Astros. Those are the hosts for the NL, and the Texas Rangers will also host the World Series in their stadium, except they won't be there. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know about putting it there, Michael. Yeah, I mean, I would. I would agree that the postseason bubble is a good idea, and it's it, it like you said, it's something that many people have suggested doing for a while. I'm just not sure why they didn't have one for the regular season. Although there would have been a lot of logistics to work out, I'm sure. Um, Multiple bubbles probably would have made more sense since teams were only playing other squads in their division and the corresponding division in the other league. But dealing with eight teams in two bubbles is easier than 30 teams across multiple bubbles. Three, say, for example. Um... I mean, I think another part of the reason they didn't use a bubble or bubbles in ge- uh, is for the regular season is because there's a lot of planning involved with having a bubble. Um, and, I mean, the NBA had a lot of success, so, I mean, that, that could have impacted R- Commissioner Mom- Ron Manfred's, Rob Manfred's uh, decision somehow. Um, I mean, a bubble does keep the players, umpires, coaches, other staffers keeps them inside while keeping others out. Plus, the players are already getting tested regularly. But I think the difference between NBA bu- the NBA bubble and the MLB ones, like you said, is that NBA games are played inside, which works a lot better, f- why- whereas MLB games are partly outside. And mm-hmm. especially with the recent weather issues in the we- western United States wa- because of the wildfires and the do- damage they're doing, Games have already been either rescheduled or moved to another stadium. So a similar thing could happen, at least with the AL bubble, which is in um, Los Angeles area. And, I mean, if if this weather thing continues for another couple weeks, maybe the league thinks about moving their bubble somewhere else, at least the AL one, and keep the one in Houston or Texas and maybe move the California one to, I don't know, Arizona, somewhere like that. Um, somewhere where the weather won't be as much of an issue. I don't. See, I, I don't see why they can't just do both in Texas and or why can't I know they're trying to play a ton of games, but why can't they just put both the NL in the in one park and the AL in the other? I know it's a lot more difficult than it sounds, but. If you're the M- NBA's done it, yeah, NBA's done. Obviously, they have no. They have more teams. They've got more teams there. Yeah, they had twenty two teams. They had twenty two teams. Yeah. They had sixteen total, and the NHL had what twenty four teams in two different arenas. What? Yes, twenty four teams yeah. in two different arenas, and they had t- they had restrictions. And if they had overtime, they would push the games the next day. Yeah, so, I mean, part it of it sucks, and it's on. It'd be hard, but. I, I don't see why they can't do it. In the NHL, they have to make the... It's like an hour and a half in between because they had the ice. They had to maintain the ice. MLB, you really... I mean, you just had to maintain the field, and I don't know if you really need to do that in between several different games. Well, part of it is also that there's... You have to... I mean, the players have to be at hotels, and with eight teams in each league, that's going to be... I mean, a lot of things for hotels you're going to have... I mean, it's going to be a bubble, basically, and... I mean, I guess with only having two 
two fields. I mean, how are you going to have workouts if there's a game going on? Or, I mean... Well, the NHL did it. NHL is 12 teams in two different hotels each. But I, 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 when I'm I saying while the games different. are going on, how are you going to have workouts they, going they, on? I believe they have... I don't know about the NHL. I'm sure there's got to be some player who... I don't know if there's a player. I got to check if there's a player who's been blogging. But I know with the NBA, they had sev- they had hotel rooms in those rooms for each team separated as workout rooms. And facilities, they turned, like, those hotel ballrooms into workout facilities and, like, tr- bad practice courts, like, where you have, like, a st- like some people have a, where you'll have a wedding. They put that, the hardwood floor, they put that into a court for basketball. NHL, I don't know how they did it with ice, but I, I think you have to look at that and think, if NHL can do it, when they have to put in, they have to have an hour and a half in between games. They're not. They're doing seven game series, and I think I don't know. I think it's hard, but I don't. I feel like they could have achieved it if they had maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it would be a huge undertaking, and I don't know that the league or Manfred in particular didn't necessarily want to do that. Um. Maybe they felt it was too much work to do for that, <laughs> or not not too much. No, work, I know. But like, okay, that I wouldn't mean, shock me. Yeah, I mean, for Manfred, it would take a lot more planning and a lot more man hours to to figure all that stuff out. And I think, I don't know if they really wanted to do that. I mean, having two separate bubbles makes a little more sense, with the exception of the World Series, where you have to have obviously a team from one bubble has to move to a totally different bubble, and. In that sense, it's a little, I mean, that would be a little weird for that team, considering they've been, for like a month or so, they've been playing on, they've been playing in the same stadium all their games, and now they have to get used to a whole different ballpark, whole different um, hotel room, I mean, everything. And I don't know that that's really, like you said, I mean, I don't know that the logistics of this one really sort of do everything that they could have done. I mean, yeah, it's hard because I, I feel like if the, if NHL, the NHL can do it, why can't MLB? I don't know. I guess, obviously with the NBA, they had a lot more, their players and all that were a lot more, it seemed like they were more into it and their owners are more respectable and, resp- and more understanding of their players than the MLB's own, MLB owners were. NHL didn't do a bad job at all. I think they did a great job. They even added more teams to come into this bubble for, and then it was weird, but I, I don't know. I, I think MLB had a chance to do it, and I get it. It's a lot more, like you said, I, I, I'm not, not at you, but the, obviously it would have been a lot more work, but if you're a sport and you're trying to get this pulled off successfully and well, you have to take a lot of risks. It's going to be a ton of work. I mean, I would recommend, obviously, NBA. So I would recommend you guys watch someone like Matisse Thibel, um from the Sixers, JaVale McGee of the Lakers. I think Troy Daniels, somewhat, a couple other players have been like video log, vlogging this. I believe a couple of reporters were vlogging the bubble. I don't know. Again, I don't know if any NHL players have been. I, I don't see how. I think they showed a lot, a lot of work, and it worked for them. And then... MLB, really the only person I know who's doing anything to show off, even though he's kind of being shut down, it's Trevor Bauer, who's been doing a lot. His vlogs have been kind of entertaining, actually. Um, he's actually really fun at video editing. But I, I think that's something <clears throat> he showed. I mean, in those videos, he showed um, 
they're like not letting him even take a videos of COVID testing anymore. Like they're not even showing like, why not? I get it. I get it. But like, why can't we see the process? Why can't we see? It, it seems like there's something sketchy there. I'm not a conspiracy theory person, but there it is. There's a conspiracy theory for you. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, I think those are interesting to watch just to see the whole process that's players have to go through in order to play during this. And I mean, I think it's sort of the league shutting them down just sort of obviously the vlogs bring more attention to it, but the league actually shutting you down makes you think if there is something wrong going on there. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, the MLB shutting Bauer down from doing this. Yeah, it might be bad PR if there's something that's not going on, but if there isn't something bad going on, why not let him do it? It brings more attention to the baseball season. More people might want to watch it. Yeah, he's trying to actually market the league while <clears throat> owners and Manfred are really bad at that whole thing called marketing. There's a reason that baseball, like, if you at, I guess we've gone into a discussion about play marketability and, and how the ML and the M, and MLB's like pit, like how it looks to how like people see it. There's a reason that MLB players are very l- way less known. Like the best player in ML in Major League Baseball is Mike Trout, and I don't think he's the fi- and I bet you if you asked most people who are sports fans, I bet a lot of people or mo- some most of them would know him, but I bet a lot of people wouldn't. Honestly. Probably more than you think. More yeah. than you think, but I think it's just fine because Mike Trout doesn't like to. Is more of a private guy. I lo- I like that. I respect that. That's awesome. But there's a lot of players who have not been. There's a lot of problems with Major League Baseball and how they do this, and I think they're just continuing to have a bad image. And yeah, but moving on from that, we, as we we're talking about the postseason, it's around the corner. Major League Baseball again. We're sort of sensible action, but speaking of this. The Chicago White Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays clinched a spot. The Dodgers already did. The White Sox clinched their first appearance in the playoffs in 12 years. Abreu, who is an MVP elite candidate, I think he is still the MVP right now. I mean, he's been ridiculous. He is obviously batting average isn't the best. He's his slash line, 332, 374, 644 slugging. Weighted on base average of 417. He's got 22 perils. He's got a hard hit velocity percentage of 51. His average exit velocity is 92.4. His expected slugging is a bit lower than his normal actual slugging, but still. He has been unreal. He leads, I believe he also leads the majors in RBIs. He's just been phenomenal. He's just so fun to watch for, Obviously, I'm a Cubs fan, but I don't. This is going to get a lot of uh, people on me, but I don't dislike the White. I like the White Sox. When the Cubs aren't playing them, I root for the White Sox. I'm well. I don't see a problem with that. I I think the it's fun to root. It, they're from the city. I'm not from the city of Chicago, but I root for the I root for the city. Unless if they're playing the Cubs, go Cubs all day, every day. But for me, I think it's super exciting to see that this young team led by a super vet, a veteran having, honestly, his best year of his career probably. It's short season, but still. Abreu has been unbelievable. And he, he, he apparently, Eloy Jimenez said, Jose Abreu was talking about this, and he said, I finally made it. What a moment for him. He deserves this. This team does. These fans do. And finally, they get to compete for a championship. And it's 
going to be that way for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big step for the White Sox organization. And it is one that will hopefully result in more success for them than they've had over the past 10 years. They do have a lot of good young players who should be there for a while, like AL Rookie of the Year candidate Luis Robert, Yoan Moncada, Nick Madrigal. But the young good players aren't just limited to the hitters. They have good young pitchers too, like Dane Dunning, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease. Plus they have guys who are not too good yet, but have the potential to become quality major leaguers. And these type of guys include, I mean, players like Reynaldo Lopez, Danny Mendick, Zach Collins. I mean, the White Sox may not have the pieces to go all the way this year, but they have the potential to go far in the playoffs within the next few years, especially if their key players can develop the way they are expected to and are surrounded by other proven talent. However, anything can happen in the playoffs, so it is possible that they make it far in this postseason. Getting Michael Kopech and Carlos Rodon back healthy next year will help, but I think their focus is still on this season, at least for the time being. Dallas Keuchel has been pitching far better than the White Sox expected so far, and keeping him healthy for the postseason is one of their main goals right now. Limiting Keuchel's innings also gives them a chance to evaluate younger guys like Dunning and Lopez, guys who either didn't have much of a chance in the majors or guys who were sort of stuck in AAA waiting for an opening. And Dunning has looked like a solid rotation piece in his limited time this season. While Lopez has regressed from last year, and the White Sox needs to see some consistency from him before determining if he is a part of their long-term plan. For me, I wonder if putting him in a bullpen, like a long relief role, would help him. I think that might. Last year he had a lot. I, I recall a game he had like 14 strikeouts last year, and he looked fantastic. He was overpowering, but... That was really it. I, I I really do like Ronaldo Lopez. I think he's a good pitcher. He's got a lot of potential. He's, I believe he's still pretty young. I believe he's mid-20s. So he's got time, but I think they should, if they want, I think it's a, worth a try to put him in a long relief bullpen, relief pitching role, see how he does there, and then maybe work him back into a starting role once some of these guys like Keiko leave in a few years. May, I, obviously, that's a long time to wait. But obviously, and I like you, like you said about back to Keiko quickly. Like you said about him, with him, him pitching better than what he expected. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, he has definitely pitched better than he expected. But they, I feel like they expected him to be darn good because of how much they paid him. But again, like you said, he's been fantastic. I mean, this team, in a way, again back to Chicago, I guess, reminds me of that 2015 Cubs team where, I don't. I feel like teams were expect. In this case, I think the White Sox were expected to be a really good. I don't think they were expected to be this great. Where they are, I believe, still the best team in the American League record-wise. But I don't. I I think like the Cubs weren't expected to do much, but I think they were expected to be solid. Both teams, both of these teams, this team gives me those vibes, and I think this is going to be a fun team to watch for a long time. And this season is going to be fun. And I honestly think they could. Again, like baseball, anything can happen. We saw what happened with the with the Nationals last year, and literally anything can happen. They were what nineteen and thirty one, as we always hear. They were bad, yeah, and then and came around and just played out of their minds, went on a massive postseason run, and anything can happen. And I think this White Sox team's got a lot of fun potential, and their team you could 
you don't have to be a White Sox fan. You can watch them. It's just fun to watch. They they play with a lot of energy and joy, and it's something you like to see. But for now, I can't. And I, I think we can. We're gonna head to another break. Stay tuned for more on deck circle here on KCU 88.1 FM. And when we get back, we're gonna talk more baseball. Shocker. Hey, this is Tommy Wizzle, and you listen. Columbia, KCOU 88.1 FM. Hopefully you have a groovy time. Now that I've gotten on the internet, I'd rather be on my computer than doing just about anything. It's really cool. The internet gave us a whole world of exciting new possibilities. So I guess this is a story of how it changed our lives. Change your life. Change the way you do the internet. Go like KCOU on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at KCOU and on Instagram at KCOU881. Stay up to date on the latest online content, events, giveaways, and more. You may be right. I think we're being followed now. Don't look. Just play cool. So what are you waiting for, young keyboard warrior? The wonderful world of KCOU is just one click away. Ranger Station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Okay, company picnics Tuesday. Lou, you order those shirts? Nah, just gonna have my wife make some. Sit down. Shut your mouth. Y'all gonna look like a bunch of suckers. Hey, who's this guy? They call me T-Shirt. Shirt. Unless you get your threads from Digit Graphics. Whether it's for your work, your team, or your charity, Digit Graphics will have you looking good. What, do we look as cool as you? Not a chance in hell. But you will dig it. Check out DigitGraphics.com. Don't just wear it. Dig it. Shirts. Go to KCOU.FM to listen live. Check us out on Facebook.com slash KCOU 88.1 and on Twitter at Twitter.com slash KCOU. KCOU 88.1 FM. You're listening to On Deck Circle with Michael Levitt and Adam Rosen. So last week, we talked about what the Yankees need to do to stay in the playoff and division race. And they bounced back in a big way. They now have at least six team home runs in each of their last three games. And their pitching stepped up too, especially Garrett Cole. The Yankees now sit two and a half games ahead of the Blue Jays for second place in the division behind the Rays. And they're the fifth best team in the American League. Getting some of their injured hitters back have helped, as Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Santon, and Gio Urshela are all healthy again, which gives them enough hitting depth to rival the Dodgers for maybe most in the majors, which having depth will be even more important this postseason, since there's not going to be any off days between the end of one round and the start of the next round, with the exception of the World Series. 
So the Yankees are now playing like they're expected to, possibly even outperforming those lofty expectations. If they can continue this pace into the postseason, I think they'll almost definitely go far, which, which would be good for Yankees fans since some were crying about the teams playing badly over their recent slump. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was... I think the Yankees are going to be fine. Said me, said me, my, myself, a thousand times for the last several weeks. Luke Voigt's been fantastic, though. I mean, exit the lot. His, I mean, all of his expected numbers on Baseball Savant are at the top. They're 93rd percentile and expected weighted on base average, expected batting average of 80, 86th percentile. Uh, Expected slugging, 97th percentile. Barrel percentage, 89th. His sprint speed is low because he's a first baseman. He's got 20 homers. 20 homers. He leads the league. 46 RBIs, 283 uh, average, a 342 on base, which is not really that good, but whatever. 659 slugging. I mean, I think he's definitely a fa- another MVP candidate, I believe. Honestly, he's been ridiculous the last few days and we the whole season. And Stanton, like you said, he's back, and he nearly went for the cycle last night. LeMay Hughes still, I believe, leading the majors in a, 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 leading the American League in on bay, or, uh, sorry, batting average. Garrett Cole's stepping up to be, not again, not exactly what they wanted, but again, got plenty of time to prove it, but he's been fantastic this past few games. And the Yankees are back to what they should be, and I continue to fully expect this hot streak to either a little cool down, but maybe maybe not six homers in another every game. But I expect them to be fine. They, honestly, they're still my pick to win the American League, and I think that's fair because we all know they're the Yankees. They find a way, and they're talented, and talent is cool. Yeah. I mean, not only... Not only is LeMahieu leading the American League in batting average, he's also leading the American League in on, ba- on o- in OPS, which for a guy with his track record who who has been more um, who's been more just sort of singles hitter throughout for most of his career, he's he's that he's getting more extra base hits. His OPS for the season now is over a thousand. His ten homers. He's been he's walked to strikeout ratio is almost one I mean he's having a ridiculous season I th- I think the Yankees big issue is their pitching right now I mean they still Garrett Cole's pitching better yeah but you, the rest of your rotation isn't necessarily the best I mean James Paxton's hurt he's probably going to miss the rest of the regular season or if he does come back it's not going to be as a starting pitcher um I mean who I mean, I don't know. I guess Masahiro Tanaka's decent. But outside of the him and Cole, I mean, it's not... You don't have... The rotation isn't necessary. It's not. A, it's probably the weakest link of the team, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's they're fine. I don't... I, I mean, obviously, they've had too many... A lot of injuries. I mean, uh, Adam Adovino's not... But Adam Adovino's not been that good for them this year. Um, Earl Chapman really didn't play pitch a lot enough. He has not pitched much. He's been playing more recently until, uh, <laughs> if you know what happened to him, maybe happened to him in the ninth inning a few games, we, uh, a few games ago, <laughs> you know why I'm laughing. Um, let's just say, um, nature and, uh, stinky things. <laughs> I, I, I still find that really funny. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Yankees can definitely make it far in this postseason. I think they're they definitely have the talent to they have the they have the depth as they've shown. I mean, the fact that they've even stayed in this postseason race, I mean, is an accomplishment within itself, considering all their injuries and. I mean, obviously, in the postseason, anything can happen. So it's possible they don't make it far. But, I mean, I, th- I think they've, especially those guys that they didn't expect much from, like Clint Frazier, who's obviously other people expected much from him, but Yankees didn't think highly, uh, highly enough of him to have him start the year in the majors. Guys like Mike Ford, who's, he's been okay. Um, Mike Touchman. I mean, guys... Who nobody really had thought about. Nobody had really thought about them ex, um, contributing much this year, and the fact that they have has definitely helped the Yankees stay in this postseason race. Yeah, and Kyle Higashioka went yard lately, too. So they've got a lot of depth. That, they just have a lot of random people who just come up and dom it and rake. For Adam at when injuries and then they come down, go down, then injuries happen again, and they just come back up and continue. It's it's like they have like a factory. So I mean, the Dodgers are similar in that aspect. I mean, Dodgers have more pitching with that too. Yeah, the Dodgers also don't get hurt. Are also a little more in dirt, have a little more durability, which unfortunate for the Yankees. But I mean. I feel like they've had less injury issues late than the Yankees in yeah. past years. I mean, definitely years. this year, but they've had a lot of. Pitching. I mean, remember Kershaw gets hurt or has gotten hurt like once but he's a year. Old. You have they had Rich Hill for a few seasons, and he was hurt like once every other start. I mean, Hyun Jun Ryu was hurt like a couple times a year. But again, that's age. I think that's a lot to do with age. Both of them are in their are thirties. Yeah, I mean, Yankees have they've had. Older guys too. I mean, Judge isn't old. Well, no, not him. But or Stanton. I mean, they had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, just. I mean, A Rod was playing for them a few years ago, and I mean, he was hurt. I mean, it's that's a, again. That's age. Yeah. Like he was he almost forty, late thirties. I mean, a, a lot of that has to do with age, upkeep. Yeah, Masahiro Tanaka. I guess how, you say is in that. It's same weird category. how a guy like. And, the, and again, NFL, like how how does Tom Brady keep doing that? How does like how does players just not get? How do players keep doing that? Oh, specifically in a sport like that, I mean, Ichiro is the only one I can think of in baseball, other than maybe Bartolo, maybe Nelson is, Cruz. Oh yeah, well Nelson plays DH. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, why don't we continue with our postseason discussion? Yes, and talk about another big story. So the Padres have a chance to clinch a playoff spot tonight against the Mariners. But that's not the big story. What's the big story is the air quality in Seattle. This made it tough for games to be played. The last two days, the Mariners played the Giants in San Francisco because the games could not be played in Seattle. And there's a similar plan for the Mariners' three-game series this weekend against the Padres. In both series, the Mariners will still be the home team since they were supposed to be in Seattle. So, although the Padres will technically be the away team, they have a chance to clinch a playoff spot in their home ballpark. The Mariners do still have a three-game scheduled home series against the Astros, Monday through Wednesday, and if the air quality does not improve, that series can be moved to Houston. And, I mean, this whole thing just gives the Mariners a disadvantage. Not that they can help it, but it gives them a disadvantage as they fight for a playoff spot, since these should be home games for them. 
Seattle's only three games back of Houston for second place in the AL West, which would get them into the playoffs for the first time since 2001 and break the longest playoff drought of any longest current playoff drought of any team in the four major North American professional sports. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a huge issue. MLB needs to figure out a safe way for teams to play while these wildfires continue. And the Mariners are not making the playoffs. Sorry, guys. Uh, but with that, though, we got to take one final break, and we got a little more just quickly afterwards. For more, Stay tuned for more on Deck Circle here on KCVU 88.1 FM. Hi, I'm Theron Denson, the Black Diamond, and you're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. Get ready to maximize your health. You are now listening to Doctor's Lounge with your host, Dr. Casey Williams, board-certified family physician at the University of Missouri. Got questions? Email us at discjockeymd at gmail.com, tweet us at DRS Lounge, or find us on Facebook under the Doctor's Lounge. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man, mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man, man. KCOU would like to shout out East Side Cavern. It's the bar that's bizarre. Downtown Columbia's best karaoke comedy club. With a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week, East Side is a solid place to hang out. I think Kid A is probably their best single album. Uh, my favorite individual song is Life in a Glass House, the perfect uh, mixture of harmony and chaos. Ken Bone, Radio KCOU. Freddie Freeman has been having a ridiculous season that's put him, putting him neck-to-neck neck neck with Fernando Tatis Jr. for the NL MVP race. What are your thoughts on Freeman's improvement this year? Honestly, I mean, obviously you say, we say he's improved, but, what I mean, it's hard. To, it's crazy how he's improved because he's probably— I think he's the best first baseman in baseball. Obviously, Abreu has been fantastic, again, like we were talking about earlier, and Luke Voigt. But when you look at their careers the past few years, it's Freddie Freeman. I think he's been fantastic. I mean, he's been he, – Tatis probably still going to win it, but he's cooled off a lot. For, I mean, Freddie Freeman's hey, 352, 465, 648, 1113, 11, 11, 11, 13 OPS. Wow, I can't talk. Um He's been f- incredible. And you know what's cool about that is he had COVID 
uh, before the season started, and he was talking about how like he was afraid because he was like having really big trouble, a lot of trouble fighting it off, I believe he said. So the fact that he's been able to come back and do this is really cool. So I think it's time for him to get some res- the, the respect he deserves, and he's just been ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I would, I think he's underappreciated by most baseball fans, much like Joey Votto is, who still for some reason has not won an MVP. But part of the reason Freeman has been overshadowed, at least... Joey um, Votto has won an MVP. Oh, he did. He did. Sorry, I forgot about that. But part of the reason Freeman has been overshadowed is because of the Braves' other young stars, which are Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, who have pitchers like Mike Soroka, Max Fried. Freeman's sort of the veteran presence on that team, and... He definitely deserves that MVP award, not only because the Braves have been good this season, but, I mean, yeah, there have been a lot of haters who have been ridiculous this season, which hurts Freeman, but Freeman is among the league leaders in most statistics. OPS, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, batting average, has 10 homers, has has more walks than strikeouts by almost one and a half, and... Not only that, but he's also decreased his strikeout rate, which usually is an indicator of increased production. So, I mean, I think he definitely deserves the MVP. I think he does too, but I think with the voting and how it's, again, okay, narrative, people get mad about the narrative voting thing. Why? Narrative voting is a big deal, and I think Fernando Tatis Jr. has been the narrative all season. He's like, Becoming the face of baseball, he's like what twenty one. He's literally my, almost a little or barely older than me, and he's absolutely becoming maybe the. I think he's making a case to become the best shortstop in baseball already. Not yet, but I think he is almost there. So, yeah, he's been fat, flat out ridiculous. Yeah, especially for someone his age. Well, that will be all for on deck circle here on KCOU eighty eight point one FM. I'm Michael Levitt, alongside Adam Rosen, signing off. Drive home home safely, everyone.